0: Oh, <laughs>
1: You you know this song is from the Baroque period by Bach and in this period it's very common to repeat the words over and over again to give us an opportunity for meditation reflection. The lyrics of this piece, because they're in Latin, are the Agnus Dei, which is Lamb of God who take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us and grant us peace. Thank you. to oh.
2: May we affirm our faith and joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our first reading is from Mark 12, 31, and follows the gospel readings of the last two weeks. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Our second reading is from Matthew 25, 34 through 36 and 40. I was in prison, and you visited me. And the king will answer them, truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of those who are members of my family, you did it to me. This is God's word to God's people. Thanks be to God.
3: spending our Lent thinking about what it means to be a follower of Christ Jesus, what might be uh, the qualities of discipleship. Rachel and I and John had some fun yesterday going up to Valencia, being a part of a, a workshop and discovering that um, we're doing all right. huh? There's a whole movement in United Methodism to emphasize uh, discipleship, and here we are uh, working on it too. So it's, it's good to know that we're in step with uh, the leaders of the church, regardless of whatever's happening in the larger denomination or in the particular local church. We're all realizing that what is key and essential for us is to be a faithful follower of Christ Jesus. And to have that be our thinking and our doing, our being. So uh, thank you for being a part of uh, this with us as we go through Lent and we try to imagine what these qualities are of discipleship. What would Jesus have us be? What would he have us be doing if we were to be following him? So we've been reaching back to uh, John Wesley and realizing that Wesley brought forward to us in our denomination what Jesus gave us uh, recorded in Scripture that a a disciple loves God and loves neighbor, that these uh, two major commandments are primary for us in being faithful people. So, I've had an insert each week in your bulletin, and the back of it has changed by whatever the core principle has been for the Sunday, but the the front part has remained the same, and it's to remind you that these core principles are building upon each other, and the love of God is at the top, works of piety, and the love of neighbor is at the bottom, works of mercy... We've already taken a look at acts of devotion and acts of worship, and so today we take a look at acts of compassion, the first part of our loving of neighbor, the individual part of loving of neighbor. So Matthew gives us some words from Jesus. And we hear that people are called blessed because of their compassion, their compassion to the needy. And therefore, they are invited into the kingdom of God, invited into eternal life with God. Now, I've said this before, and I don't want to Get you to be thinking that I'm just hitting an old drum again and again and again, but I want to call to your attention once more that our theology of the Trinity does not get us into heaven, at least if we're to believe Jesus that are thinking about purgatory, the 144 things that we affirm as Roman Catholics or the 49 things that we affirm as Lutherans or the, the couple things that we Methodists seem to think are essential, it's those things that help to flesh out and round out our thinking about God and our ethical thinking, our thinking about how we should be with one another in society. It does lots of marvelous things. And... Uh, God bless you for coming to classes and learning about those things. That's that's important stuff. But it's really only important stuff if it helps us to be lovers of God and lovers of neighbor. Jesus doesn't say, well, you've got the right theology of how I'm the son of God. Come on in. Apparently, Jesus says, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you comforted me. I was in prison. I was even in prison, and you visited me. Apparently, if we're to believe Jesus, and that's a a tip that we probably should, right? Right? How we act towards one another, particularly how we act towards the person in need, is a big deal. Helping your needful neighbor is doing it to Christ, he says. Just as you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Now, this is startlingly direct. When you say it's pretty clear, not a lot of parsing has to go on here to understand what Jesus is saying. Our behavior to the least of these is likened to our behavior to Christ. And who would be the least of these? Well, they are the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the poor, the disenfranchised the marginalized of society. And what a bold stroke this is by Jesus of of social realignment and revaluing of people that he is making in the context of the Roman Empire in which people like that are worthless. They're objects, they're pawns to be played with, not to be cared about. And how bold a piece of scripture it is even for us to hear today. As our homeless population, our hungry population grows, strangers gather at our borders and our leaders flirt with further reductions to our outreach to those in need. Toss him a bone, it feels like sometimes. Let him eat cake, it sounds like, sometimes. I heard a comment a couple years ago that I've got to share with you because it just has stuck in my head and I've not been able to uh, forget it. A parishioner had come up to me, and, and he had said, and this was, of course, in a disparaging way, he had said, you know those panhandlers? You, they get about $100,000 a year panhandling, $100,000.
2: Can you believe that?
3: And I said, no, I can't. <laughs> I was surprised. I was surprised by uh, the figure. I was surprised by the tone of voice. Uh, Surprised by the boldness of saying that to me. And wouldn't you know it, wouldn't you know it, that that week on TV there was an interview series with panhandlers. Thank you, Jesus, I said to myself. In it, we learned... That this particular gentleman was in some kind of uh, manual labor kind of thing. So that when he severely injured his hand, he lost his job. And since he lived month to month, losing the job, lost his house. Losing his house, he was out on the street. Just like that. Panhandling. One of those panhandlers out on the street. And so the interviewer said, well, you know, how are you doing? How are you getting by? And he said, well, not, not too well. How much do you get on your, on your best day? And he said, well, I think that's probably like 30 bucks. So I did some math. I, tr- I tried to... I guess multiply that by three sixty five or something or I came up with like ten thousand dollars. Is that right, you guys that know numbers? <laughs> something like that? Um ten thousand, not a hundred thousand. And how long could you get by on ten thousand dollars? You know, we have homes right here in our neighborhood. They're renting per month, what, four thousand? Five thousand? Criticizing the poor, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's biblical. I don't think it's biblical. I, I don't think it's in Jesus' spirit. I don't read that in this text. A putting down of the marginalized. I don't think it's what we disciples are called to do. I think we're called to be helping, to be helping those in need. In fact, biblical scholars say that God has a preference, this is the language they use, a preference for the poor. Now, that's always bothered me. I've wondered now, why... How can you say that, a preference for the poor? Well, you know, God's love is for all of us, whether we're wealthy or we're poor, right? We all stand in need of God's saving grace. God loves each one of us, regardless of our circumstances. But when we read Scripture we see that there's a particular calling out of caring for the needy that's in Scripture. And I think that's because in biblical days, just like in our days, we folk who are well-to-do, well, we have ways of finding our way of getting along, of rebounding from fires or floods, of, of staying on our feet as far as food and shelter and traveling and clothing and health care. Even staying out of jail, we do better. Yet when it comes to life's survival issues, the disadvantaged Need help to get by, it seems, and it's God's intention that his followers do something about that. It seems that we're called upon by Jesus to help those who ain't got it a little more so they can get by. We're called to tend his sheep, especially those sheep who are most needy or who are lost. So I think we need to uh, hear well that Christ takes this personally. He seems to take this caring for the needy personally because he says, you know, if you care for them, it's like you're caring for me. And to that, I think we all can just say, Lord, have mercy. Oh, boy. Lord, have mercy. So what do we do about this besides just feel an onus of burden and guilt or whatever we might be feeling, overwhelmed by the need out there and how equipped we may or may not be to meet that need? Well, we're doing a lot of things already. We are. God bless you. We are. I think the main thing is to have a guiding principle of the golden rule And try to live into that. Have that be how you find your way with this stuff. And everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. For this is the law and the prophets. This is the whole thing, Jesus says in Matthew. And then in Mark, do to others as you would have them do to you. So, think about it. Let's think about it for a minute. If by some misfortune or just by some random turn of events, it happens like that sometimes, you're sick. You get an accident. You get unemployed. Or or maybe somebody else's financial fraud empties out your retirement accounts. No fault of yours. But you're broke. Think about it. What would it be like if you were hungry and thirsty, if that was you, if you were without shelter, had no more than a couple shirts, if you were sick and out on the street, if you were a stranger somewhere. My son got his bank account robbed when he was in Turkey by himself all by himself halfway around the world we get a phone call what would you appreciate if this was your circumstance what would you want for yourself Well, would you want to be criticized for your hapless condition? No. Would you want to be blamed for your neediness? Would you want to be shamed for your dependency? Would you want to be ignored and and left to your own devices? How would you want to be treated? If it turned out that you became one of the least of these, a young person might need some help with purchasing school books. She might need some help repairing her car so she can get to her first ever job. Or he might need some kind of housing, some kind of affordable housing while he's in college. Did you read in the paper that somebody just graduated from college around here living out of his car? A disabled person might need somebody to cut their lawn. Can anyone do that? We can do that. That's something we can do. Right? Right? Maybe building a ramp, maybe newly injured, newly confined to wheelchair, maybe needing living room furniture moved around so she can get from the kitchen to the bathroom to the bedroom. There's a path. We can do that, right? We could do that. Maybe an elderly person needs some help paying bills. You know, they're no longer tracking the way he used to. He's got the money, but he just doesn't have the, where's the first? And when is the 15th? And where's my pen about him anymore? Or maybe needs some help with housekeeping or food preparation What shall be done? How would we want to be treated if these situations were us? We would want some compassion. I'm thankful that the Methodist church had a connection that reached all the way to Turkey. And that connection was able to find a local Muslim, actually, businessman, who could go to my son and help him get out of his predicament. Compassion across religious lines, across national lines, across the ocean. It's exciting to think that a little bit of caring, of love, of helping can make such a big difference in somebody's life and that we actually have those resources in our heart, in the sharpness of our mind, and sometimes in our wallet to make a difference like that. So when we think about being a disciple of Christ, a following in Jesus' footsteps, we've got to recognize we can't duck this. We need to be compassionate also. Jesus asks us to worship God with our private devotions and with public worship, and Jesus asks us to crack open our hearts and to care for the people around us in need. That's what being a disciple of Christ looks like, caring compassionately for people in need. So maybe that kid down the street, maybe you just kind of take him under your wing, huh? Or maybe that young person in college, you can give him an internship of some kind, or maybe you can mentor that young adult, Maybe you can help get that car repaired or move that living room furniture or deliver dinner. The more we do these things, the more we're doing these things to Jesus. And the bigger the smile is on the face of God as he looks at our souls. Amen.